0: it's clear from Paul's comments to the church in Rome that his focus was to preach Christ to those who had never heard of him before. He was passionate about preaching to the Gentiles and Jews in places where wait for this, no man had gone before, I'm sorry, and you thought Star Trek was exciting. It's got nothing on the Bible. And I'm serious about that. Read through the Old Testament, the New Testament, the journeys they took, the excitement that they had, the drama that took place. It's an an incredible story. But especially the Apostle Paul is one that we look at in the New Testament as that example of someone who the gospel of Christ compelled him to go out and preach especially to those who had never heard of him before. There is a brother in Christ who has now gone on to his reward in the Lord. His name was Joe Cannon. Those of us who used to go to the world mission workshops at the Churches of Christ Christian Colleges back in the 70s and 80s got to know Joe real well. He would come to each one of those and report on his work that he was doing and had been doing to those who had never heard of the Lord before. Joe had served in the U.S. military in the Pacific Theater during World War II. And while he was there, he realized that there was a great number of people who had never heard of Jesus Christ, period. And he came back from the war convicted that he needed to go back and preach the gospel. In that effort, Joe was the first Caucasian To preach to a tribe of headhunters. Matter of fact, he was the first Caucasian they had ever seen. And he went to them. Why? Because he wanted to preach the gospel to those who had never gotten to hear it. Joe had that passion that we find in the Apostle Paul. As the Apostle Paul approaches the end of the letter to the Christians in Rome, And that is a better term, remember, than the church at Rome because they met in many house churches. But they were united, one in Christ. But he is bringing his thoughts to a close. And he is trying to explain to them his special ministry and why it is that he has not visited them personally up to this point. His first reason is that they are competent to instruct others. They have the gospel. Many of them had been present in Jerusalem. Remember it said people from Rome were present there? They had been present in Jerusalem when Christ was crucified. They'd been present when that first 3,000 were added to the body of Christ on the day of Pentecost. They were not weak, struggling newborns in Christ. They were mature, and they no longer required the elementary instruction, the introduction into Jesus Christ. In the church, sometimes I think we forget that people are to grow and mature in Christ. And yet we keep spooning them the baby food when what they really need to do is learn to feed themselves. And now I know I'm guilty of this myself. I know the Lord calls himself the good shepherd. And a good shepherd takes good care of his sheep. But tell me, do you know of any shepherd that picks the grass for the sheep, grinds it up, and then feeds it to them? What does he do? He leads them to green pastures. It's up to the sheep to eat. And we need to be doing more of that as Christians. We need to be getting into the word of God, into the meat of the word of God, so that we can then share the good news with others. If we are weak, how can we be teachers of others? We need to work on that. When we fail to follow Christ's example as a good shepherd, We produce Christians who remain babies instead of maturing into spiritual adulthood. Paul looked at the church in Rome and said, My not coming to you yet is due to the fact that I'm needed elsewhere. He knew this from the moment that the Lord called him on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, where his physical eyes were closed so his spiritual eyes could be opened. And talk about an about face that Paul made. From one who persecuted the church to one who championed its cause. And in that encounter with the Lord, he was given a new direction, a new focus in his work for the Lord. And that was to be the ambassador to the Gentiles. To go before kings and rulers and share the good news. And Paul saw this as his priestly duty. You know, the priest served in the temple. Uh, And they tended to specialize. We learn this in the story of John the Baptist's birth when his father, Zechariah, is doing his specialty. His section of the group of priests was doing their duty in the temple. And Paul saw himself in this role. He had a specialty as a priest. The difference was his congregation had changed. Uh, No longer did he preach just to his fellow Jews who had the promises, who had scripture, who had been sent the Savior directly in their midst. He now focused on the Gentiles. And though he does not boast in himself, Paul had every reason to judge his ministry a success. In verse 19, he claims that the gospel has been spread from Jerusalem to, I can never say this one right, Ilricum, however you're going to say it, all over the place, from here to Timbuktu, uh, all over the... Roman world this would have included asia minor northern turkey it would have included greece with the gospel message and even into europe when he went into macedonia thousands owed their salvation to his faithful execution of his commission you think by now maybe paul could retire don't you he's, he's done a pretty good job you know maybe he could take a pulpit job in a you know a city church somewhere like Rome, or like Antioch, ease off a bit, slow down, let that thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, heal up a bit, allow those arthritic, broken, beaten bones have time to rest and recoup. You know, Paul, you've got a right to a retirement nest egg, and you won't be able to make tents forever, you know, so land that job in Rome. Stay there, Paul. It's your right. You have earned it. Nobody would have told him different if he said that's what he wanted to do. Nobody but who? Himself. Because he didn't want to stop. He wanted to continue to preach the gospel to those who had never heard it before. He wanted to go to Spain. He writes, It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have been often hindered from coming to you. He hoped to come to Rome. He hoped to come to Rome as part of a greater mission to those who had never heard the gospel before yes he hoped to be helped by Rome and he hoped to encourage Rome but his idea was to go to Spain that was his idea from everything we know he never made it from what we know by the end of chapter 28 of Acts he's imprisoned in Rome and any other information we have we just don't know we don't know if he ever made it beyond that imprisonment We don't think he did. His intention was to visit but not stay in Rome. His intention and God's vision were different. His intention was to keep that ministry going. But you know, he had invested in others just as Christ had, hadn't he? He had produced people like Titus, people like Timothy, who could continue the good news, the work of the good news that he had done, who could continue to share it with others. Paul's desire not to build on any other man's foundation has some wisdom in it. You know, my favorite Bible studies are with those who don't already have Bible knowledge. I'm able to introduce the Word of God fresh to them. And it's a wonderful thing. But don't think you have to run off to the edge of the world to find someone like that. You don't have to go to Spain to find that. You know, he sought to go there so that he could find those who he had not preached to yet. But we live in a nation, and I know you've heard all these stories about the growing number of nuns uh, in, in our population, the growing number of people who have never heard or have rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. We live in a nation that has a growing number of unchurched people in it. There are over 60 million Right now, we have a population of about 300 million. Over 60 million who don't know the Lord at all or who are marginal in their religious knowledge. How many in our communities? How many in our families fall into this category? To give this statistic a little more relevance, one out of every five people you meet won't have been exposed to the gospel in a meaningful way. And folks, that number is growing. It's time we stopped circling the wagons, afraid of all the culture that is around us. And, and we, it's time we start sending out rescue missions. We start breaking out into squads to go out and rescue people from a culture that is dark, that is dying. We have the words of life. For too long, we have let the notion of America as a Christian nation delude us into the idea that we don't really have to evangelize in America. Just live a good life. People will know you're a Christian. And and that's why the very word mission has come to mean work that is done somewhere other than our own local area. Our congregations see themselves as supporters of missions somewhere else rather than doers of the mission that Jesus Christ gave all Christians to do, and that is to make disciples of all nations, bringing them into Christ through baptism and continuing to teach them so that they can eventually teach others the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, I'm glad that we did and have and continue to invest in other cultures with the good news of Jesus Christ because it just may be that they will be the salvation of America and have to re-evangelize it eventually. Did you know that the modern country of England was evangelized and then lost to Christianity? This came at the end of the Roman Empire in the 5th century. And thanks to a Brit by the name of Patrick, uh, God used the Irish to re-evangelize England. At the age of 16, Patrick was kidnapped by Irish raiders, and taken captive to Ireland as a slave, according to his confession, which is a faith-focused autobiography. He was told by God in a dream while being held captive to flee from captivity and run to the coast where he would board a ship and return to Britain. He did, and upon returning to Britain, he quickly joined the church and studied to become a priest. In 432, he again said that he was called back to Ireland. To Christianize the Irish Irish folklore tells us that one of his teaching methods includes using the shamrock you know it's funny we think of that as good luck you know what Patrick used it for to teach about the Trinity about the triune God that he was tra- telling them about it has nothing to do with luck <laughs> but after nearly 30 years of evangelism he died on the 17th of March 461, thus St. Patrick's Day, always being on March 17th. And according to tradition, he was buried in Downpatrick. But there's more. You see, the work that Patrick and others did to evangelize Ireland came back to bless the British. And if you know your history, you know that it's not long after Patrick's death that the Roman Empire in the West collapsed. The island of Britain was overrun by invaders like the Vikings, And and Christianity was all but wiped off the land. Guess who re-evangelized the Brits? It was the Irish. It was because Patrick went and evangelized the Irish that the British then re-received the gospel. We need to keep that very seriously in our minds. Because, folks, we do not want America to lose the gospel. And that's going to depend on you and I so that we continue to look at our population and see not people that were born in America and therefore they must be Christian, but to see them as people who may not know enough about Jesus Christ to have a saving relationship with them, to know people that may have never even heard of Jesus Christ because they were raised in families that didn't teach it or raised in families with different religious background and the world religions. We have a mission field right among us we need to take that seriously. Emily and Michaela, I want to talk to you for just a moment here at the end of the sermon this morning. As you graduate, your thoughts are going to naturally draw towards your career, your education. Uh, you're going to be drawn into those. And that's understandable because those are important, aren't they? Uh, You've got to make your way in this life. But more important is the decisions that you will make about how you will incorporate your educational and career decisions into your Christian walk. Let me repeat that again. More important is how you will incorporate your educational and career decisions into your Christian walk and not the other way around. Too often we put the worries about life, what we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear, before our Christian mission. Remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 25? Is not life more than food? And and the body more than clothes? Rather, Jesus says a few verses later that if we will seek first His kingdom, then all of these things will be added to you as well. Put Christ first now in your life as you already have, uh, being blessed to assist one of you in baptism and watch the other one baptized. Uh, It is just great to know that you have set the Lord first in your life. But it's not something you do once and forget. It's something that we do, church. How often do you take up your cross? Daily. Daily. I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage all of church to seek first his kingdom, especially his commission to make disciples of all nations, wherever we find them, whether at work, at home, at school, on the playground, on the baseball field, on the football diamond, on the lacrosse pitch. Uh, Is it a pitch or a field? Soccer pitch, but anyway. Wherever it is, wherever it is, You are to make disciples. You are to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether it's easy or not, the Lord will be with you, and it's going to be possible. If Christ has meant anything to you, his love should, as it did Paul, compel you to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, with others. We have so many around us who are underreached, and unreached. Let us reach into the love that God has given to us. The storehouse that we have. The treasure that is ours with Christ Jesus living within us through the Holy Spirit. And let us share that treasure with all those that we come in contact with. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we come to you today and we are so thankful for your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, it it sometimes is beyond comprehension of how great a love you have for us, that you would send your only Son to die on the cross for us. Lord, we are so grateful for without you, without your love, without your grace, we would not be able to live. But through your Son and through his resurrection, we do live. Having died to ourselves and been buried with him, we now live in that resurrected life, that life that is filled with your spirit, filled with your power, and filled with purpose, the purpose that you gave all Christians when through your Son you commanded us to make disciples of all peoples, to baptize them and to teach them continually the good news of Jesus Christ. Help us, Father, for we confess that we do not always do it. We fall short. And when we fall short, Father, bring us back Help us to return again, to refocus, recommit, and retrain our thoughts and actions to be under your will. We pray all of this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. We're about to sing a song. There is a fountain free, tis for you and me. Or is it? That's the other one, isn't it? We're singing. Anyway. It's fountain free? We're about to sing that one, and we need to remember that 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 blood that was shed on Calvary, that blood that was shed, is for you and for me, but guess who else it's for? Everyone, and we should not feel comfortable knowing that there are people who have never heard the good news. We should not feel comfortable knowing that there are people who don't know enough about the Lord to make an informed decision about whether to accept Him as their Savior or not. We should feel uncomfortable if we, ourselves, don't know enough about God's Word to be able to share that good news with others. But we can have great confidence. We can have something to share if we will dedicate our lives to Him. If we will dedicate our lives to sharing the good news learning the good news, and then sharing it with others. If you're here today and, and your Christian walk, you've, you've wondered, if you've, you've let yourself slide back and you're not fully carrying the, the, the load that, that God has given to us, remembering that though he asks us to carry our cross, he's right there with us as we carry it, helping us with the burden. If you feel that you have slipped back and you need to return, we want to encourage you to do that today. Make that commitment you need to make it before the church, come forward as we sing this song and we'll gladly pray with you and help you. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord yet as your Lord and Savior, you need to know him. You need to know the love that he has for you. You need to know the great sacrifice that he made for you so that you can live, so that you can have a hope of eternal life with him in heaven and a blessed life here on earth as we serve him. Whatever your need this morning, whether to return to the Lord and rededicate your life or to come to Christ and put him on as your Savior in baptism, the invitation is yours as we stand.